Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Hotline Monday. It is Monday, the something, 20th of March, 2017. I'm Scott Johnson, and I'm here with Justin Robert Young. Hello. Hey. Hello. What's going on, man? Greetings. I feel like um, I feel like we haven't talked in a while because we didn't have a show last week. We didn't. Yeah. Did we have one the week before? Yeah, I feel we did. like you know, this is this is a uh, uh, oftentimes a, a a a casualty, a schedule casualty show, yeah. just because we got we got so much going on, right? Yeah. Uh, so so it, it is always good to be back with you. It is good to be back with you as well. You would you had just gotten back or just were about to go on a trip last time we spoke, and. I had seen Logan. You hadn't. You had not seen it yet. No. And uh, and that was okay because our thinking was, well, when you get back, you will have seen it, and then we will talk about it. And people are out there thinking, well, geez, Logan's been out forever now. This isn't relevant. No, no, no. I disagree. We should totally talk about Logan at the very least. Get your impressions. This doesn't have to be spoilery, I guess, or does it? I sure. Yeah. Well, let me. Do, right here. So so I can we can do spoiler free stuff on logan we can do spoiler free stuff on get out yeah uh and then if anybody wants to call in with questions concerns or complaints about arrival yeah or attack the block you are more than welcome oh to, to call in because i saw on. those this oh week. oh now wait now i didn't know you'd seen arrival or that the, what you're saying right now seems to indicate you're, you didn't like arrival very much no. Wait, what would make you think that I didn't oh, like Arrival? Oh, I, I thought you were sick because you said they could send in their complaints about Arrival. No, no, no. If, if people want to call in with questions oh, or complaints. Got yeah. it. All right. I loved Arrival, so I'm glad to hear that you did not dislike Arrival. Did you? Did no, you- I really liked Arrival. Mm-hmm. I will try to say as cagely as possible that uh, it is definitely the most high-minded way to do the Bill and Ted ending. Uh, <laughs> But uh, <laughs> you're totally no, right. Was, you're totally right. I hadn't even considered it until just now. It was pretty. It was really good. I mean, I, I think it's it's a movie that is buoyed by uh, the performances you get in it and how it looks. Yeah, because it really looks exceptional. If the creature design is a little, you know, in 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 the hands of a worse movie. People, I think, would be kind of making fun of the creature design a little bit, um, especially, you know, them just squirting onto this weird iPad. Yeah, um, it was a little bit of an odd choice, but it also I, I felt like what they were trying to do was just be different. Like they were trying to not be, uh, you know, humanoid or or go too far the other way where it's too obscure. They got they had to give them some form, but they wanted it to be seem strange. Well, and also it's like they had to differentiate the language element from the psychic element. Yeah. Because I think that would be the natural way to go is that whoever they come into contact with, uh, you know, just kind of sees these visions and maybe within these visions you can see these symbols and she is deciphering these symbols. But that also takes a little bit of the steam out of it. So, uh, uh, listen, I loved it. I thought it was really, really good. Uh, I, I, I don't think that, I am too upset looking at uh, uh, what it won and what it didn't won yeah. uh, win in, in the Oscars. I think it was fairly properly and correctly kind of lauded for for what it was. I agree. Uh, but, you know, I mean, Amy Adams, it really is just like this showcase for Amy Adams where, you know, especially, you know, she is so compelling and and so kind of heart wrenching when she needs to be that we are convinced, nay, uh, 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 enthralled that she would be able to, um, you know, fall in love with the you know sarcastic piece of wood that is Jeremy Renner's character. Oh, I was going to ask. So I like Jeremy Renner quite a bit, but I I am starting to think that he's sort of the same dude and everything. Um, and I mean that from like the bomb expert and that Catherine Bigelow movie all the way down to Hawkeye. It's kind of the same guy, and that's fine. I'm fine with it. I'm totally cool. With yeah. It. I mean, he's Jeremy Renner. Yeah, he's he's you know he's he's steely. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you you know that he's gonna be uh, he's gonna be up to something. He's gonna solve the he's gonna solve the problem if you put it in front of him. Yep. Uh, uh you know, we, we were excited to see his veneer be pulled back so he can be a little uh, uh vulnerable here and again mm-hmm. because he has that kind of tough guy sort of a uh, uh, aesthetic. So yeah, no, I think he's good for what he is, and and you know the rest of that movie is uh. 
is 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 fantastic. You know, I think it's I think it's 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 really really good. And really, for as much as the creature design is kind of weird, um, I love the ship design. Yeah. The ship design is just fantastic. Those were cool. They're like giant worry stones or something floating out. In yeah, space. they're like big like Easter Island heads yeah. without the eyeballs and noses. Total, totally dig that stuff. But all right, let's let's back this truck up. That's good that you caught up. I'm glad that was a one of the finer. Uh, films that were nominated yeah. this year. And by the way, yeah. Thing. And then I saw Attack the Block. I think that John Boyega is going places. I think I think it's about time he got a real big casting. Yeah, he needs he needed something huge after all his little tiny independent films he's been working yeah, on. Yeah, I think it's about time. Somebody recognize him. Somebody cut John Boyega a check, man. How old is that movie? That's like few years old, right? Attack oh, the Block. Yeah, that's like five or six. But I mean, for those of you who are unfamiliar with the with the name, that that is Finn from star wars episode seven this was his kind of star turn yep. in uh, you know what is uh i think a really really fun talk about great creature design attack the block awesome <laughs> creature design i've never seen it i need i guess i need to see it so i know what the oh, hell i'm talking get about it in your life man no it's great joel cornish directed it he is from the the family tree of um edgar wright so it certainly has that feeling. I think Edgar Wright produced it, oh. but uh, it is in a housing project in London. Uh, uh, aliens basically start attacking. Oh, I mean, and it, and it is uh, this gang of ruffians. Uh, you know, that now ha- are are our central characters throughout it. So. Okay, I'm into that. He also wrote Ant Man, uh, which is kind of cool. So Joe that. Cornish, yeah, Joe Cornish uh, wrote with. Edgar Wright, Ant Man. Uh, uh, they they were the team that was initially going to do Ant Man before that kind of famously fell apart behind the scenes. And uh, I think Adam Payton. Oh yeah, directed. he still gets a screen cre- uh, screenplay credit and a story credit. But you're right, there are as a, as often as the case, somebody else came in and brushed up things and changed. Well, that more. was probably the biggest cluster F with Marvel behind the scenes. You know, certainly there was rumors of unhappiness between Joss Whedon and the and the powers that be, but. Uh, those movies eventually came out, you know, that this one kind of blew up on the launch pad. Yeah. Well, there you go. Get your Cornish on and watch attack the block, everybody. So get that in the midst of all of that, you did see Logan. I did. Let's talk about Logan. We had a lot of lead up in our conversations about Logan, about rated our films, all rated and, movies and sure. Sure. And I, and I think I've been on record here before you saw it saying not much about the story, except that I really liked it and thought it was awesome. And it might be my favorite comic book movie ever. So I'm re- I'm real curious where you landed, um, and what you think about all of that in the context of now having seen the film. Do you think any of our schmiddly schmuff about rated our movies and stuff before have any water or not? I think that we were dead on, mm. and that that you know, uh, Logan is R rated. I think more to signal that there are less restrictions than it is to signal that there are a lot of blood and guts or tits you know there are there are exactly two tits yeah. and they show up they're pretty ex- obscure boobs too. kind of way yeah they weren't you know? really they weren't anything graphic i didn't think i was surprised by that i don't know why because no, it isn't even sexual you know it's it's, it's just kind of I mean, obnoxious I, it's just annoying spoiler alert it's a a, a a bachelorette at a bachelorette party who flashes logan from the back of the limo that he is driving in a work a day manner because he needs to save up money for this large thing that he's trying to do yeah so it's like you know it's it's literally just the boobs and then he pans over and logan's like "Eh, jeez jeez another bunch of kids in my car and that was it some would argue that that was stupid because why then why have it there's no significance to it others might argue no it adds a little uh a little saucy spicy to the to the proceedings i mean to be honest i think it's 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 almost there just to show you that, hey, we're going to tell an uncompromising look. It happens early in the story. So as to signal to everybody that this is definitely not the kind of Wolverine movie that you've gotten before. And at this point, we've now had, considering how big of a part he plays in all the X-Men movies, there were three X-Men movies, two Wolverine standalones, and Days of Future Past. We have seen a lot of Wolverine being angsty and... You know, like not being able to trust all these people. I work alone. I'm Wolverine. Like, you know, we've seen a lot of that. So this was a way to say that this is a different kind of story. Uh, The the gore, you know, there's a lot of gore, but you could tell a lot of it without necessarily getting as gory as they did. And I don't think it would lose much impact. What's amazing to me about Logan is really just how mature of of a movie it is. And 
what is the revel the revelation is that oh yeah like we've had two exceptional actors yeah Hugh Jackman and Patrick Stewart in these movies forever sure and we've given them very little to do <laughs> yeah right yeah like it's, it's comic yeah. booky but it's not a lot of pathos it's not a lot of Oh, I wonder, you know, uh, 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 this is what happens when the body fails. Like a lot of these very human kind of dramas that yeah. you really that that they both kind of get to sink their teeth into in Logan, which is really fun. Yeah, I love that part of it. Um, those two. There's also it's hard to it's hard to explain this because it sounds almost like I mean, I know there's a lot of chemistry between a lot of actors, but there's something between Patrick Stewart. And his performance and Hugh Jackman and his performance as Wolverine that really, really resonated um, in all the ways I think it was supposed to this this, um, you know, turning it into, well, this used to be it used to be a guy who ran this school and had this cool basement with all this rad stuff in it and holographic training rooms and a helmet he could put on and look at everybody in the world at once and all those fantastical comic book ideals. And now he's this aging starting to kind of fall apart uh dementia setting in which is uh, turns out is very dangerous for somebody with those kinds of psychic psychic power psychic power uh and logan is just sort of run down and beat up his claws aren't coming out the way they're supposed to exactly uh wounds are healing slowly like they really were tapped into that stuff in such a way that it just made these people feel like flesh and blood whereas before they felt like paper and ink they were great as paper and ink but I really much preferred them as flesh and blood. And then in that mix, you have the pretty incredible performance by that girl who played X-23. Um, I thought she was awesome. And well, let me, let, let's, let's also just kind of take this from a larger level without getting into spoilers. Uh, a brilliant, brilliant idea to take the sexuality out of X-23. I agree. Because I am not a huge I'd be lying to you if I said that I followed every nuance of X-23 from the comics. Yeah. Uh, but from my perspective, it always kind of seemed like she had about as much story charisma as an anime body pillow. You know, it was just <laughs> kind of like it was like, hey, do you hey, young boys, do you want to be Wolverine? Well, what would be better than that if Wolverine was a sexy young teen? Mm -hmm. Is that what you'd like, boys? Why don't you buy some comics, boys? Yeah. Uh, you know, and and yeah. to make her a little girl, to make her uh, uh, ferocious and vulnerable in the way that she is, I think was just really inspired from a writing perspective as as a way to say, hey, let's care about this character in a way where we're not going to have to worry about finding her a love interest or wondering if she's, you know, like if it's going to be a will they won't they with Wolverine and he's going to have to realize that it's her daughter or something gross. Like, yeah, yeah. I think that I'm thankful that the movie went the way it did because you could very much. I've always found X-23 to be a bit of a problematic character because ultimately it's just kind of sexy lady Wolverine. Yeah. Right. Two claws instead of four or two instead of three on each hand. Just kind of small differences. It's it's in some ways it's she Hulk in some ways it's. Um, I don't know, Supergirl. Like you're, you're just saying, well, what if, what if we had a Wolverine who was a girl? What would that be like? And and yeah. I'm glad what they did instead was maybe they're playing a little bit off of, you know, Stranger Things and Eleven. I'm not saying directly, but but there's something to be said for a pissed off, ultra powerful, nine to twelve year old girl. Uh, there's something that resonates in the story like that 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 takes takes her from you know what should be oh there's a very vulnerable person in this group here and all danger is in her direction and that's still sort of maybe true but my gosh can she hold her own she leaps on dudes and rips their heads off she rolls said heads back over to the uh to dude um yeah there are some moments man like really shocking stuff really cool stuff and i personally i didn't find i mean i kind of lean this way anyway but the the violence of the movie didn't really bother me or I didn't feel like it was that ultra violent I felt like there were it was certainly I mean compared to previous X-Men films sure it totally was but it also all right let's let's talk about it in the larger context so we don't have to get into spoilers yeah because uh, there was a list by slash film 
our good friends at Slash Film. Yep, love those guys. Peter's great. Peter Serretta. In fact, I don't know if he... He's a good man, that Peter. If he wrote this or this was just... Could have uh, been one of his writers. The site. But they ranked all 10 X-Men movies. Oh, goodness. Okay. Um, Here we go. Have there been no, 10 this, X-Men? No, Slash Film staff. There have been 10 X-Men movies? 10 X-Men movies. This is including all the Wolverines, and this is including Deadpool. Wow. All right. What what would you say is the worst? The worst, what they have is their number 10 X-Men. Uh, Wolverine Origins. That is a resounding yes. That movie is a okay, piece so of shit. So I guess they, they ordered this by points. So I guess they, they gave points to all the all the different movies, and then the ones with the least points were the worst. The ones with the most points were the best. Right. I can see that. So I'm going to say... Second well, to last, second which I would agree wholeheartedly. Uh, it, I, okay, there's one... I have the one only one of these that I that I probably haven't seen is the more recent singer one. Congratulations. Well, oh. then allow me to fill you in because oh, I watched X-Men Apocalypse on the way to Austin where I saw Logan the next day. Oh, my. X-Men Apocalypse is dog poop. <laughs> really bad. Really, really bad. And also leans in on Everything that can be bad yeah. about X-Men movies. Okay. Um, All right. You that- know, number one, they totally waste Oscar Isaac, who at that point, by the way, had just been in a little movie called Star Wars. Oh, yeah. Star Wars. Right. This came off Oscar Isaac in his turn as a Star Wars man. But you got you got the got Game of Thrones lady and uh uh Lady, what used to host attack the show or attack of the show? By the way, what's good? We had had this whole digression on one of the other shows about how Olivia Munn apparently eats these like Japanese melons or something that like keep you young. And I I can't help but believe that they work when she is like my age, if not a year older. And she is like next to all these teens in this movie, and she's like easily the hottest person there. Yeah, and is played as the hottest person there. Everything about um, her, everything except her eyes. But go ahead, that's my own problem. Continue on. Her eyes. She has weird eyes. They look dead. It's like she's not. She's not really looking out of them. You know, a video game where it's got really great voice acting and really good oh, just, facial oh, gotcha, expressions. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Her eyes are dead. Something's wrong with her eyes. So here's the deal. Uh, X-Men Apocalypse is bad. It's bad for all the reasons that X-Men movies are bad. It's overbloated. It's trying to shuffle in a bunch of really dumb characters. They spend, or sorry, backstories. They, they spend 20 minutes giving you this kind of unnecessarily heartbreaking Magneto backstory just so you can justify that Magneto's a bad guy that would want to side with Apocalypse. And it's like, yeah, that's fine. He's Magneto. <laughs> that's what he, he does. Of course. Like, it's like, I, this is heartbreaking stuff, right? Yeah. And it's like it's not that that they that you can't do it, but like it just had Magneto at a bar, and he's just like like, hey man, what's your story? And he have him slowly pan in, and he tells his story, and then he like kills the guy at the bar because it's a metal cup or something. I don't know, whatever. <laughs> Movie's terrible. All right, I, I'm a little surprised that X Men: The Last Stand, technically X Men Three from 2006, was not number two in the worst list, but. It's got to By be the way, that is number eight. Uh, uh, on the, right. uh, so we are we are making our way. Let's see if you can get all of them, because now now that you've gotten three, I feel like like you you, you might have you might have a shot. So, all right. All right this is I'm number gonna, seven. Number so seven. Worst uh, to best. Uh, uh, but we'll, uh, Wolverine. What's that one called with the samurai samurai Wolverine The Wolverine. The Wolverine is that movie. Yeah. Is that is that am I on the track? I'm not looking at this. Correct. So. But you're only one off. Oh. They've got the original 2000 X-Men. OK. As uh, the seventh. Sixth is uh, uh, Wol- the Wolverine. The Wolverine. Which, so by I the s- way, I would flip those two. I would. too. Although they're only separated by a point. But I, I think X-Men. It's not the best movie on the planet, but I think it's for for its importance. I think I would give it a little bit more credit. It's way important. What it established back then was kind of a huge deal. Yeah. Um, um, then I'm going to say, and this has to be all mutant stuff, right? This is five, right? This is the middle of the road. And I'm going to give you a bit of a hint by saying 
that this one it 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 stretches the broader definition of an X-Men film. Is it did they include Deadpool in this list? They did. Oh, that, that must is be it. five. All right. I I, I wondered cuz there was X-Men stuff. There was what there was uh, Colossus and Mutterbeak. Yeah. But, uh he was he's and he works with them a lot, but he's not necessarily an X-Man. All right. Uh I really that's next on the list. Weird. I thought that would have been higher, but whatever. I would have put Deadpool higher than the movie that is ahead of it. Uh well we're down to like is first class next? No. Okay. Days of Future Past. Yep. Oh. Got it. Okay. Days of Future Past is number four. All right. That would make first class third. Three. three. Okay. Then. So now here we go. This is, I mean, uh, there's no no secret as to what the two movies are. Yeah. But X2, X-Men United, and Logan are the top two. What order do you think they went in? I'm... I'm nearly positive it would go X2 and then Logan. You would be correct. Oh, there you go then. So they also say Logan, best X-Men uh, universe movie ever. Which I kind of want to disagree with. Ooh. Not to say that it's not great okay. and not to say that it's not possibly a better executed movie. Yeah. But I think doing a ensemble x-men x-men movie is just way harder to do yeah oh yeah like and 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 in general whenever we get into these hair splitting kind of conversations mm -hmm. my my rubric is always challenge that you've taken on divided by execution right and so if anything like logan is kind of like you know it, it's <laughs> it, it we, we give it a lot of credit for for doing things that are outside of what we expect studio motion, you know, studio motion pictures with very valuable intellectual property to do. Yeah. That's kind of the meta level, right? right? In terms of like, Hey, let's just put Wolverine and professor X in a car and, and have them tell a old man Logan story. <laughs> like, cool. Like sure. Put two world-class actors where they have to bark at each other and, and, and like, like really show their chops. Awesome. Like, the idea of taking a still largely untested and young cast and weaving together for, you know, uh, the, the first time something larger than what you had done before. Mm -hmm. I think that was, that was a little bit now, granted it's been a while since I've seen X2. Mm -hmm. So maybe I'd watch X2 and I'd be like, Oh Jesus. <laughs> uh, but as I remember it, yeah. And I think universally being understood to be the best X-Men movie where the whole team is assembled. I feel like that is, I feel like that is an, un, that's a universal accepted thing. I, yeah. don't, I don't know anyone who thinks any of the other team ones are better than that one. Like, but, I think it's uh that I know of. I think it's just, it's, it's to me, I would put X2 first, but I could understand putting Logan first. I could, I can, can, I can understand. You can what what I it. can understand is Deadpool going that low. Yeah, Deadpool. I'd have, I'd have put Deadpool third, uh, and I'd have it a, ahead of First Class. Um, yeah, I like First Class, but I liked Deadpool more. You want to know what? I would agree with you, especially if I'm going to be that guy who says that X Men needs to be higher because it's important. Yeah. Deadpool is is equally as important for its time. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's, because Deadpool, if Deadpool doesn't isn't a hit, then Logan never gets. Yeah, we don't even have Logan right? at this point. I don't think so. So yeah, thanks Deadpool because you made Logan possible. Because Logan in the is, same way that if, if X Men isn't a hit, yeah, then none of these movies get made. I mean, I'm gonna right? I'm gonna cop to something here that I mean, whatever people probably already know this, but part of the reason Logan worked for me is what you described: the less is more. Um, you know, a few great actors in one little place. It's in the freaking desert for hell's sakes. There is an incredible turn by actor and comedian and writer Stephen Merchant as uh, Caliban, and I loved. Oh, well, by loved the way, him. there Caliban is in both X Men Apocalypse and in Logan, and the the quality of both those movies are told in how they treat Caliban. <laughs> That's what I've heard. I haven't seen. I still haven't seen that other newer ones. I'm I'm horrified. I don't I mean, want to. There for five seconds, like uh, Caliban's in literally two scenes, and. 
you can tell that they just shot the scenes back to back because all the cameras are exactly where they were before and they just <laughs> shuffled off all the actors from the first scene and brought on all the actors from the second scene. That's amazing. Uh, but he's in there and he dies in two seconds and he's just like this mutant arms traitor, basically. Yeah. Uh, but in, in Logan, he just Stephen Merchant is just so great. He's just he's he's such a uh, you know, he brings such a such a humanity to what could otherwise just be this hanger on kind of comic relief sort of character. Didn't see it coming. Didn't know what I was going to get. Didn't even know he was in it because I didn't I, I hadn't paid attention. I knew there was some kind of pasty looking albino type. Uh, I didn't even know who Caliban was really. I'm not that familiar with the character. So that that was all just a lovely surprise. And I'm um, really glad that they that they did that. Um, and again, none of these are spoilers, guys. Um, a bunch of you have been calling in. I'm going to I'm going to try to take one here so we don't lose too many. of you. Hi, who's this? Hey, guys, it's Ian. I am sci-fi. Hey, man, what's going on? Not too much. Not too much. So I Definitely going along with what you guys are saying about Apocalypse and Logan. Uh, what, one of the things that's always always kind of been this way for me when it comes to the X-Men is that the best X-Men stories focus mainly on one specific character, even when they're in an ensemble. Mm. You know, like like you, you get the, the main story being told about a specific character and then you have everybody else as the supporting it's a little it's a, it's a lot like star trek and other patrick stewart things he would know about like um the best star trek movies are the uh -huh. ones where they successfully focus on picard or kirk and spock is a little ancillary but there but they they focus on you know a core character or a core team of one or two or three and then the rest of yep. the cast they're always accused of jordy had no screen time and where's Riker during all of this <laughs> Well, it's because yeah. to make a good movie, you do kind of have to you boil down your shit for two and a half hours instead of, you know, the way you can do it with a series where you can really explore those people. So right. I, th I think that's what happened here. Um, I, Justin, I think that's I think he's proving your point, not proving your point, but he's supporting your point that the, the what makes this movie maybe less challenging, but also makes it more uh, watchable and more relatable. Right. Because you don't have to spend time on all those other people. Halle Berry, who cares? She's yeah. somewhere else. We don't know where she is. Yeah. I mean, yep. th that that is what kind of Apocalypse drowns in. Apocalypse drowns in a million different tiny stories like we get. A, 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 a thread of literally Cyclops understanding who he is. Mm -hmm. Right. And coming and like applying to the Xavier school when it's like, OK, man. We get it. He's Cyclops. Like he shoots lasers out of his eyes. Like I really don't care about, you know, the 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 context of how he got there. Right. You know, he's not even it's an iconic how he got there. Like at least Spider Man and Batman, who we're all sick of seeing origin stories for, and I know we are collectively and individually. There's there's still something even more boring about Cyclops's origin because there really isn't one. He just sort of shows up. Ah, my eyes do this thing. Don't worry, we'll make glasses. All right, in you go. Yeah, no, he's getting picked on, and he shoots the kid with his laser beam eyes, and then they're like, "What? You're crazy! You got you get better go to this school." And he's like, "Well, I don't even know what's going on." He shoots a tree, <laughs> and he lights it on fire, and Professor X is like, "Whoa, man, this is crazy! Yeah. You got to come here to this school." And then I don't know. They go to the mall. It's stupid. It's just like it's it's a it's a dumb movie but you're right it's like in all that time you know as uh, uh, to to quote william shakespeare by way of harry plinkett it's you know brevity is the soul of wit which basically <laughs> means don't waste my time exactly i'm i'm all for minimalism i'm all for professor x living in a big giant former whatever that thing did that big turbine he's living in yeah i'm, I'm into the desert i'm into the remoteness of it like everything about that, I'm even into this, the slight mentions of like, oh, look, it's 2029 and we've got automated uh, shipping trucks now that actually fit right in with my idea of what will probably be real in 2029, perhaps yeah. even earlier. That kind of stuff I liked a lot. Hi, you're on the air. Who's this? Hey, this is Mike from Denver, Colorado. Hello, Mike. What's oh, up? Mike. Mike. Hey. Yeah. First time, long time, all that crap. <laughs> um, hey, I just want to say. Thank you, finally, for somebody calling out X-Men Apocalypse. Mm. That movie was awful. And I wanted to get your thoughts, not to continue with yesterday's news, but how is Doctor Strange a good movie? 
Oh, oh, this is good. No, no, no. This is good. I'm I'm glad that we're having this conversation. Um, There is a uh, I'm having I'm having a similar conversation with people who really dislike Legion, the show on FX, which we may talk about later. Yeah. Um, And a lot of people who don't like that turns out don't like Doctor Strange. And I think it's any time we're dealing with the astral plane, you are shutting out a certain percentage of the potential audience. Uh, The minute you start going to weird dimensions and start messing with ethereal spaces and or is this real or is it a dream type um, stuff? I think you lose a lot of people. So you're well, you're you are not a fan. Tell us why you don't like Doctor yeah. Strange, and then we'll let Justin uh, extol its virtues. Well, you know, I mean, specifics. It's hard to nail it down. I turned the movie off halfway through and just walked away from it. Wow. And this is recent. You didn't see it in it theaters. Was, it was like a rental or a DVD or something, or yeah, what? Okay. you know, one of those things on. You know, late night, just ordered it on iTunes. Yeah. And you, and okay. So you just didn't even get so, through like, the characters whole thing. are boring. You, you couldn't follow the plot. Like, yeah. it was, I think, I, I think Scott's right that it kind of lost me in that uh, whole inception mixed with fantasy type reality. I don't, I don't know. Do you just like, let me, me, let me ask you this. Do you prefer your, do you prefer your heroes to be the more gritty practical types? So, so for example, if if you had to choose between Martian Manhunter and Batman, you'd take Marsh you'd take Batman oh, because because he's a give dude. Me Batman every yeah, day. every day because now you're talking oh, about Martian Manhunter. That's such a that's such a uh, like oh it's well, not what would, you, what would you pick? It's not uh, a hamburger or uh, you know this one specific <laughs> delicacy. Would you like a hamburger or scrap? No, I that's not what I mean. What I mean is uh, okay. He's a bad example. Let's just take Superman. Superman's cool and he exa- inhabits the same world, but. What I I'm just channeling you a little bit there in Denver. I'm thinking you're a bit like me with a lot of this stuff, where you prefer sort of an on the ground gritty take. You would prefer the detective Batman over the Batman that goes with Superman up into space and fights some kind of space oh, guy. Yeah. yeah. All right. I I think I know right where you're coming from, dude. I think uh, I totally I, get it. I don't I don't blame you. And here's here's why. And I love Doctor Strange. Yeah. In general, and this very much uh, affects genre fantasy you need and science fiction you anytime that you exit out of our reality it is incumbent on storytelling to explain everything that's different so right there's a humanoid people uh in space in star wars right yeah so we understand all right, there's gravity on the ship. You know, there's they, they shoot lasers and the lasers blow things up. Like, there's just a lot of implicit storytelling that you have to do. When you get into these psychic stories like Legion has and like Doctor Strange has, where you're moving through multiple dimensions and gravity isn't always gravity and, and force isn't always force, then, and they have laser things that you're slicing off people's heads with and stuff like that. Yeah. It, it, there's just a lot that you have to be on board with. And there's a reason why fantasy stories and science fiction stories have a limited audience. You know, like now they are big business as culture is kind of shattering. Right. But in general, in a monoculture, there's not that many sci-fi fans compared to like action fans or romance fans. Cause everybody can understand that these two people are going to fall in love. Everybody can understand that that bad guy needs to get punched in the face, mm-hmm. but it takes that one step further to be like, Oh no, now they're in space. Oh no. Now they're in this uh, other realm. And I think that's where both of these movies have a lot on their plate. They have to succeed by un- explaining to you. And I think that for what I loved about Dr. Strange is I thought that they very economically got through a lot of that exposition like that first action sequence which is overwhelming when you see it is basically them laying out here are all the powers in this world we're going to have a fight where all the powers are exhibited people are creating a mirror universe to to block people in they are refracting the, the buildings so they can run on top of them they're creating weapons so they can hit each other they're escaping and we demonstrate where the limits of it are and from there on, you now explain how these other characters use it. So I found Doctor Strange exceptional because of that. But if you're like, man, I ain't got time to break down exactly 
where all these pieces go, then I don't blame you. I think that that's, that's just an inherent limitation of the genre. Yeah. I think that's probably fair. Does that make sense to you? Yeah. 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 I, I'm with you. I, maybe I just was, a uh, you know, too many cocktails in when they tried to watch it or something. It but. could be that. Yeah. That, yeah I'll that tell also you what, I thought yeah, some of that Denver, that, that, <laughs> that, 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 that those Denver party favors. I figured you'd be into Doctor Strange. That's that's the way. To yeah, you got you guys have all kinds of stuff you get to bring to the table. But he he brought up another point. Thanks for your call. Brought up another point that I think is interesting, and 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 that is that Doctor. Well, okay, let's let's just say this. Doctor Strange skirted that pretty well, like you said. Um, the reason I don't like the ending of Doctor Strange is because I feel like it flies in the face of it a little bit and and doesn't take it seriously. The world building it worked so hard to give me that I was buying into it kind of fitted it away at the end. Oh, I, don't even, I, I could not disagree. I know. And I, and it's clever and it's not bad. I don't want to make it sound like I did thought it was bad. I thought, I thought it. Yeah. I, ah, oh, man, I thought, I thought it was so clever. I, I walked away from the ending going, eh, all right. That was one way to handle it. Like it was fine. It was fine. But something like Legion where they are just constantly effing with your perceptions uh, some would say too much because the show has never really gotten around to anything else in seven episodes or whatever it is now. Well, I mean, yeah. So, do we want to hold off on Legion? Yeah, we'll uh, we'll save that till the end so we can spoil the hell out of it. But I but but I just want to make the point that I think what happens is the minute, especially in the Marvel universe, you start messing with the ethereal and you start you start walking a very fine line, and it's difficult. It's not easy. Uh, I think that Guardians of the Galaxy does this really well. And Guardians benefits from things like Star Wars and other things that came before it that sort of established strange yeah. alien worlds and creatures and humanoids as a thing that we can expect to see. But but I also still think it handled, you know, a big walking tree really well and a talking wisecracking. Oh, my God. It was it was it was great. I yeah. mean, it is great. And, and I think that there's there there's a lot of credit that goes to it. But you're absolutely right when you say there's. Uh, you know, uh, certain expectations and problems that we have with shows that that just ask us to go further into uncharted territory because you're making the rules. It's the reason why a lot of fantasy, in my opinion, a lot of fantasy sucks because magic is just too much of a part of the world. Yeah. You know, to me, any of these genre stories and. And I mean, horror, science fiction, fantasy. If you give us a world where there is something different, something is available in this world that is not available in our world, you have to define it. And if you don't, and if 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 if, if our characters run headlong against that barrier, they need to pay consequences, oh. real consequences, yeah. or else I don't care about them. Right. They're all just guidelines. And these are the reason why most Superman movies suck and Superman stories suck <laughs> is because ultimately... We really don't know in a crappy Superman story. The best ones do this really well. Yeah. But the crappiest Superman stories, you don't really know how strong he is. You don't really know how much power he has. Mm -mm. It's just, oh, wait, there's no way Superman can lift this. And then he throws it on Superman. Superman's like, I can't lift this. And then he's like, yeah, <laughs> I can. It's like, all right. Well, then, so uh, I guess anything that we try to throw at him. Yeah is defeated by yeah. like, yeah. So, so what does it matter? Yeah. And I think that's, that's what frustrates a lot of people with fantasy, with magic, with, uh, uh stories where it's like, all right, so what they have, uh, they're going to find the rune and the rune is going to match with the scroll and the scrolls going to make all their dreams come true or but whatever. Logan, right? Logan's interesting in this regard because it is so good at taking the established, "Quote unquote magic of the of the genre, his healing, his long life, his his claws, um, Professor X, and what he can do with his brain and all that. Part of it is we're used to those things, so we go in already knowing what's going on. But even if this is your first exposure to an X Men type thing, what they do really well is they they quickly they they don't go to what what can antiantum or antiam I can't say it adamantium. There we go." What can break it? They don't do that. They don't mess with that. They don't go, what can what giant material from space can block Professor X from his thinking rays? They don't do those things like a Superman movie might. It's not Krypton. It's not Kryptonite. Yeah. Instead, what they do is, how big of a heart does Wolverine has and can it be penetrated by a small girl who uh, 
you know, can show him his, uh, his, you know, who he really is and how far can, uh, a suffering old man go to, to help him understand that, you know, there are multiple times in that movie where he says, uh, you know, someone will come along. Someone is already here. He says, meaning you, it's us. We're here. We can help these people. Yeah. Like he needs this father thing. He never had that father thing. And so him struggling with the father thing is more, is harder for him than him struggling with how to take down a giant robot in an X-Men movie. And that's where they figured this. This is where this movie succeeded for me. It wasn't about how bloody or how edgy or how F-bomby or how uh, adherent they were to the comics or any of those things. It was how humane it was. Like, it was such a human, Well, because really, story. like, what is the the two moral conflicts that we've ever given Wolverine in the past in any of the movies right. have been some derivation of, I feel love for my friends i need to help them out yeah also i hate them right so now i have a conflict i have a right? th- i have a thing for gene gray and and I, gene gray yeah. and i love gene gray yeah that's, that's it, it. That's there's it. two yep there's two stories in every x-men movie yep either I ne- do i need to go back or not do i need to walk away from gene gray or not right that's it yep and this like, thing was so- like hey we're gonna deal with aging we're going to deal with and we're going to have lots of examples of how aging uh, as, as a metaphor, what that means for people. In his case, it means, oh, my gosh, I can't heal. And these bullets are coming out hard and, and this stupid uh, third claw isn't coming out the way it's supposed to. Well, for yeah. us, it's uh, my back hurts and my knees not what it used to be. And my, you know, for whatever reason, I have a headache on Wednesdays or whatever. Like he they tap into that fully relatable taps into the idea of trying to take care of an aging, ailing person in your life. And yeah. how that's both extremely rewarding at moments and you're devoted no matter what, but also extremely frustrating and it can really just put you in the dirt sometimes. And and then what it means for people to, to seek salvation, like Caliban's story, barely hinted at, is one of redemption. He's yeah. a, he's somebody who had, who turned a leaf and became, uh, tried did all he could to make up for his hideous mistakes in the past. Yeah. And he did it to his death and that was, oh, whoops, there, there's a spoiler. Shoot, I did it. I didn't mean to spoil something. Oh, sorry. Hey, hey, Stephen Merchant, R.I.P. Sorry, buddy. Um, but but yeah, like those parts of are so profound. Like I walked out of there, and I realized it's not about him having claws or him being a cool hero or what's the comic book like or any of those. It was none about about those things. It was about this is a man dealing with issues that that men and women have to deal with, and how they deal with them is 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 crucial especially under hard circumstances and in this case it's a bunch of dudes with metal arms trying to kill you in my case it's uh you know whatever the aging or when a grandkid comes or you know whatever the thing may be and that was awesome and you, and you forgot i forgot that they were I, I never felt like i was being pandered to on the r thing i didn't i didn't i mean there was a lot of no, no, no. and i think i think but and, and we had kind of picked up on that before the, even the movie came out right, right? that right. it was like this is this is R to say, all right, we wouldn't have, uh, uh, we wouldn't have the freedom we have if if this was PG thirteen, right? So it's R. Yeah. Trust nothing that we could tell you in press that like no, now we really get it. That we've already been burned on that lie, you know, for every Comic Con for the last twenty years, <laughs> yeah. right? Yeah. It's just been, it's always been like no, now we get it. We're really doing it for the. And it's like, and then you just pack us into these, you know, uh, uh, you know, chicken farm little shoots, and they just run us down to the movie theater and then shred us for money as you <laughs> and feather flies everywhere, and they just get this cash and put it in their pouches. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, no, I agree. But this was a way for them to, to signal that. Uh, all right, hey, do we want to get into to spoilers? Yeah, let's on- talk about Legion real quick. And before we do, let's do some plugs so people who don't want to hear any of this can leave. I mean, I don't even know what we're spoiling, honestly, because that show is freaking weird. But we'll get to that in a second. Uh, Justin, we should probably talk about what's going on this week. Movie draft tomorrow, yeah? Movie draft tomorrow on the Night Attack show. You'll be joining us, I will right? Be. Yep, I will be there. Uh, so that'll be super fun. Uh, Brian, uh, Brian and I will try to defend our summer league titles. Brian going for three wins in a row because he won the uh, winter draft as well, which we, I think would be a record. So, yeah, we got to uh, knock him off his his stool. That sucks. He can't nope, be a winner that long. Not this time. He's mm. going. He's getting three. Mm. Bri, Bri, because me and him are, are rocking together. Oh, that's right. Uh, you very excited. 
I feel bad that you will lose now, um, despite I all that. I feel very bad about your insolence because you're you're just digging yourself into a hole. We'll maybe do third or something because we suck. But I I want to see. I don't know who I'm rooting for. Maybe Tom's team because I don't know why. I just need someone to root for. But I'm hoping we win. I'm just not going in with any expectations. I suck at this. I'll come in there going, oh, I got to get me some uh, Guardians of the Galaxy too. But I'll be getting it for the wrong reasons. I'll spend too much money on it. It'll be dumb, but it's going to be fun. I do look forward to it. It so. always is a very fun episode. If you've never seen Night Attack, you should go ahead and check it out. Also, new stickers or DIAF pack. Uh, we got new. It's the Meme Squad, ladies and gentlemen. All different Diamond Club enhanced memes up to and including Dat Boy. Uh, we've got a, uh, a, a the, the, the Harambe, the, the photo of the Cincinnati Zoo doesn't want you to see. Uh, there's just a, a million uh, different ones right there. Get them. The $5 pack gets you all the new ones, uh, except for one, which is in the $20 pack. That gets you five new ones, seven old ones. The jury will buy you a drink coin and a, an original Ruinum wine label. So go ahead and check it out. Stickers or DIAF.com. Nice. All right. I don't have anything to pimp really except go to frogpants.com for everything oh frogpants tv will now take uh, dot tv will take you straight to the twitch channel so if anyone's looking for a short way to find hey, that look at that yeah just go to frogpants.tv um okay we're talking about legion now if you don't want to hear this check out there's legion really legion the show is the show, the show is weird i crave it i love it but it's weird man like i don't know uh, it's half the time i don't know what i'm watching uh i still am not exactly sure whose reality they're in at the moment um I think it's got something to do with that curly-haired weird guy, and uh, maybe he's running the show or something, but I am enamored with everybody, especially the two-personality uh, dude with Carrie and Carrie. I could watch them all day. Um, I love, I love, love, love the show, but I don't know what's going on, so I don't really have anything to spoil because I don't know what's happening. I just know I like what I'm seeing. Um, I mean, no, we can break down. Okay, give me what. Give me your take on what where we're at with the show, because honestly, I don't know where we're at. I really so don't. Right now, our our heroes are all within the mind control of David, who is being controlled by a very powerful mutant parasite. Right, and it's. And and the face of that parasite is in one minute it's like a big greasy fat disgusting alien looking dude, and yes. then the next minute it's what's her name from uh, Parks and Recreation. So we have found Aubrey Plaza uh, yeah. uh, that so, so at the point that we're at, which I think we're we're through episode six, uh, all the different little anomalies that have always been a part of. Uh, uh, David's memories and David's, you know, uh, psychosis. Yeah, including the the boy, the 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 naughty boy that chopped his parents' head off. Book right, and the yellow-eyed monster, and uh, what's her butt? Um, Aubrey Plaza. Len, I what's her real name? Oh, Len. Aubrey Plaza. Yeah, yeah. She's they are right. all the same entity. Okay. That, okay. Now that I didn't know that. All right. So that's good to know. I mean, I yeah. assume, I kind of assumed that they were, and they were different faces of the same. No, she explains it to David or or uh, or his girlfriend, uh, where she like morphs into all the different people. Oh, all right. So that was impl- I just never know what I'm supposed to believe because you never know what's real or so whatever. Here are the levels. All right, there is reality. Yeah. Does have we seen reality yet? Yes. When he really was in. The hospital. Okay, so the original hospital stay. The original hospital's real. Was real. All right. The uh, uh the the fortress. Okay. Is real. Their thing in the woods. Okay. The evil people that kidnapped the uh, the the sister. Okay. That's real. All right. So in understanding his powers, David accidentally got pushed into the astral plane, which right now we have seen three levels of reality. Of consciousness, rather. Yeah. We've seen reality. Yeah. We've seen David's powerful delusions, right, that he can bring other people into. Sure. And then we've seen the astral plane. And the astral astral plane, plane that's the one with Jermaine Clement in, right? That's where he is. Okay. That's where nobody can go, right? Or like nobody controls. Right. So 
Aubrey Plaza right now running David's brain can control David's delusions. Yeah. She cannot control reality beyond maybe controlling people's movements or something like that. Yeah. Uh, and nobody can control the astral plane. Is she? Fact, is, let me ask you this. When she died in the first episode, her character got yeah. sucked into the wall or whatever and half cut off or whatever. Did she was there really her character dying there? And this is just no. an apparition of her. She never died. She was, was always an imaginary friend. She's never been real. Never been real. So when that girl saw her half cut up on the wall, she was seeing his delusions because because others witnessed it. Other people saw her there. And were they just I don't know. Oh, shit? Yeah. See, this is where I get lost. And I'm not trying. Listen, I don't need a paint by paint by numbers kind of thing from them. They don't need to give me that every week at all. Trust me. And part of the reason I like the show is because it's batshit crazy. Yeah. But I, 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 it's hard for me. Like someone said, Scott, please synopsis the entire thing so far. And I just kind of go, eh, like I just drool. I don't know what, I don't know what's happening. I have no idea. So here's <laughs> what I love about the show. Uh, it is madness. And really, the most opaque it gets is when randomly, with literally no introduction, the episode begins with, you know, Flight of the Concords mm -hmm. in his disco suit. Yep. Uh, you know, giving his like super long monologue about behavioral psychology and everything. I right? love that. Yeah, I love that. And then starting his own little uh, projector. Yeah. Where it's like, it is just so beyond weird and and so like just out of left field that it's like I can understand where people tap out and they're just like, all right, you just throw in a bunch of random nonsense. Yeah. But the way that the last episode ended, where normally whenever you're like got a bunch of things where it's like, oh, they're all inside this person's head. Right. Yeah. yeah. It's like, all right, somebody learns that it's a it's a fake and they kill themselves and now they wake up and you know, or they find something and they make the one person remember that like, there's this other part of themselves and it's like, that's my teddy bear, but I couldn't. Oh no. <laughs> and then they wake up. Right. The fact that they had already established the, the astral plane. And now the astral plane comes to back into focus, I thought was great because now we're not just dealing with these random magical side doors that either we're going to go in or go out of. Yeah. You know, we're dealing with universes that like whenever you ask the question, oh, well, why doesn't Jermaine Clement just come in and save them? It's like now we have. Uh, oh, cool. Well, th they he can kind of, but he's got to have, you know, these certain People need to make their own decisions. They've got to walk out like he might soften up the edges, but other people need to to kind of take those steps themselves, which to me ground it more in a magical realism and less than just a total. We're just going to pull all this stuff out of our butt fantasy. Right. No, they're definitely I mean, there's definitely craft happening. This isn't just people pulling stuff out of their butt. I have heard from a lot of people, though, that just like a more straightforward sort of storytelling model. And they're not going to get it here. Like, if that's what you're thinking you're going to get here, this is no. experimental as shit. It's way off into the distance in terms of what this you This ain't Angel to Shield. No. This ain't Daredevil. This isn't uh, Luke Cage. If right? Even the X in the O, which is reminiscent of X-Men the, in the font. Yeah. Even that, because of how weird they've gone, when I see that in the logo or someone says the word mutant, I immediately go, oh, no, this is like... This is like uh, Superman comic and then Neil Gaiman doing something like it's just not even in the same. You may, may as well make a whole new arm of your publish of your comics publishing for this because this is that weird. That's how it feels how to me. Are you aware of of the source material? Uh, very little. Um, I had I, I was aware of Legion as a character, but I've never read any uh, of his appearances or apparently he's responsible for. I don't know. This isn't a spoiler because I don't actually know this for sure, but he's responsible for at least one of the killings of Professor X in one of the universes somehow. Yeah. Um, so there's been there's lots of crossover and stuff with him, but I don't know much about him. I mean, that's that's why all this came Probably to me. Why, which is great. I mean, I do know that that uh, this, you know, the yellow eyed creature um, is a established villain known as the Shadow King. Mm. Oh, um, 
Really? Yeah. I didn't know he was supposed to be the Shadow King. That I was aware of. Yeah. But I didn't know that was... Uh, That's the dog that he sometimes portrays is named King. Oh, look at that guy. All right. Sorry, I'm looking at pictures here. Oh, there, there we go. Yeah, I've seen him in comic form before. All right. I didn't realize that's who we were trying to show off there. So is the Shadow King then the he's your ultimate baddie then? Or he, is he I believe, would be our big bad for the season? And when you say when you say he's but 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 is he who's the true face of the of the many faced uh confusing person? Meaning, I would guess the big uh uh pencil head looking uh, uh weirdo yellow eyed creature. I would suspect that that would be the 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 the, the one true Shadow King. Okay. All right. Now I'm more interested to read more about the Shadow King. He first appeared in Uncanny X-Men 117 in 1979. That character, that uh, that bad guy. There is also more to the backstory of Legion that I I was I was spoiled on on in, in a in a chat room, but I am very excited to see how they play. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. Now somebody tried to explain the character to me not long ago that he can bring actual physical reality to 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 bear. In other words, he may not know this yet in the course of the show, but he has the ability and why they call him Legion is he can he can make physical manifestations of people in his mind into real physical people. Yeah. And he hasn't I think he may have been doing some of that here, but doesn't know he's doing it. Is that your impression? I mean, I, I suspect that this is part of the reason why the Shadow King has not killed him. Yeah. That that there is this idea that he could make Shadow King a person. Yeah. And there's also there was also some rumor floating around. Oh, look at this. So somewhere in here, I just ran into a thing that says the Shadow King is Kingpin. But I do not know. That can't be. I don't think so. Come on. All right. See, it gets it goes. Deeper. I mean, but who knows? At some point, somebody might have did that, you know, in some crossover event or something like that. Yeah. Like, just because he's fat and bald. I mean, here's what I do know. Yeah. Aubrey Plaza is the star of this show. She's really great. She has totally redefined what I think of her as an actress. Like she's always been very, very. Uh, uh, you know, she's obviously a very pretty person and she has always kind of had this element of like kind of deadpan sexuality to mm -hmm, her mm -hmm. but like her being just unleashed and maniacal like makes me look at her more almost in that like charlie's theron uh uh you know uh, uh, what's what's the lady emily blunt oh yeah like in that like i could see her in an action movie now like mm -hmm. i could see her in 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 a spy movie or something like I, I can see her in something other than a, a, a comedy where she kind of plays the 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 deadpan smoky eyed millennial. Mm. And, and I think that that is just amazing because I, I did not know that she had that kind of gear and she really is just chewing off the edges. I mean, like. Again, this is a show that throws a lot at you, mm -hmm. but like her doing her her little song and dance number in the middle of the last episode. Yeah, that was crazy. She just has this sort of like super like homicidal, like sexuality kind of thing going where it's like, man, I did not know yeah. this was available on the Aubrey, on the Aubrey <laughs> Plaza menu. And it is a treat. Bon appetit television viewers. Yeah, it was fun to watch. She also, it also felt like, I think intentionally color wise and like music and stuff. It felt like a James Bond intro. A little bit. There's a little bit of a nod to that, and lots of oh, silhouettes and yeah. stuff, and duplicate silhouettes. Well, it just, and... just felt like like a like a nineteen like sixties kind of like fossy mm -hmm. like you know like a Chicago mm -hmm. kind of uh, kind of kind of thing. Well, right? and that's another thing about the show that I should mention before we go that I really like, and that is the out of time, out of place, yet familiar familiarity to almost everything you see. So everybody feels like they're trapped in. I don't know, 60s, 70s, 80s, but then there's modern conveniences and then there's times when he's in college that it feels like the mid 90s. And and yeah. it's just you never know what time you're in. You never know what time frame you're supposed to be in the color, the colors and the pastels that they use and like offices and rooms and board meetings and or the places where they have the like uh, therapy sessions. 
it's just, it's not distracting, but it's just eye popping. You're just like constantly going, this is, and you feel like it's all on purpose. Like none of this yeah. set design is by accident or somebody's just being, you know, frilly with their ideas. It feels like they're being, you know, dedicated to a certain look and feel. What's his name? Carrie's computer, Carrie Lauterbach's computer. <coughs> it's some combination of modern equipment and oscillators and ancient, you know, green screen freaking yeah, you know crt monitors yeah like, i love it yeah. i love it so I, I guess the bottom line is like i said not a lot to spoil i think that might be by the end of the season we may have some answers we may have a, a reason i mean to, i think we, we've we built up a solid mythology i think i have an understanding of at least what david understands his powers to be i think i have an understanding of what the the shadow king's powers are you know that the, the shadow king right now is basically just trying to rewrite and manipulate David's memories so he can achieve his nefarious ends, which I'm going to guess, I agree with you, is David making the Shadow King a, a person, basically, yeah. that can manipulate matter to the point where, where, where the Shadow, where, where we're going to have Aubrey Plaza running around for the entirety of this series, which would be great. Which would be great. Yeah, I didn't want, when she died, I was like, oh no, was this just a stunt casting thing where we only get this familiar NBC comedy person for like three episodes and then we're done? And I'm, yeah. I'm really happy to say whatever, you know, whatever plane of life she exists on, I'm glad that she still exists in it and I don't want her to, I don't want her to go. She's a real revelation. Here's what I would, I'm, I'm curious though, because as someone who didn't like the ending to Doctor Strange, I feel like we're heading to a very ending like Dr. Strange place when, <laughs> when it comes to these final conflicts, because ultimately there's really, you have to get very, very, very uh, creative mm. when you are talking about two psychic forces battling against each other. Yeah. Ultimately is what we're going to get, be it the shadow King, as a manifestation or Garfunkel coming after uh, David at some point, like ultimately it's going to the, like how can you physically <laughs> represent that in a way that isn't just two people squinting really hard at each other? Freaking Garfunkel. It made me laugh. Um, yeah. I think what's going to happen is you're right. There's going to be that kind of thing, but here's what I hope versus what happened in uh, Doctor Strange. Doctor Strange came down to this idea that two very powerful beings are going to have to have a confrontation. And the way that they handled it was kind of a joke. Like, it was a funny joke, but it was, you know, hey, I'll just keep coming and he'll have to just keep doing it because we're here forever and then I'll have to finally make a deal with him and sweet, we're out of here, right? It's it's fine. Again, it's fine. I just thought it was a little cheap. But it's also mass audience and that's maybe better for a movie. In this show, they have shown a tendency or even a will to do things that are off the path that are not on script that you would, they're not on your expectation script. They are weird about what, how they handle this stuff. So I expect it to be weird. I agree. There'll be some sort of conversation. Oh, I think like it'll that. be weird, but yeah. I do think that we're headed to like a very, you know, it's going to be the shadow King or, or David or Garfunkel and David in a room or all three of them. And it's going to be a very <laughs> princess bride, like, like, ah, but you expect for me to open the door and walk down the stairs, which is why I won't. I'll instead take off the the uh, the, the, the kitchen uh, lining. And that's what symbolize. And there's going to be something where it's going to be very. Metaphorical representative, a conversation or an argument that is in this astral plane that now determines supreme dominance. You're probably right. And all I ask the producers, all I ask is don't kill, uh, what's her name that plays, oh crap, I forgot her name. She plays the, Sid, Sid. And I can't think of her yeah. actress name. She's awesome. I loved her in, in, uh, last season of, uh, of, uh, Fargo. I think Fargo. she's incredible here and I don't know what it is, but, Actually, I think the whole cast is really amazing, but she's just chewing the scene up for me every time she's on it, and I love her. So she can't die. She can't leave. Don't have her get hurt. So whatever's going on in that exception room with the gun firing and the hot bullets you're touching that are floating in midair, wherever that is, she cannot be the one that takes a bullet. That's all I wanted to get out of my system there. Yeah, you know, she's great, and uh, you're right, man. The cast is kind of exemplary, but still, I mean, to me, the 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 superlatives kind of 
begin and end with Aubrey Plaza. Like she, I mean, this is just, just exceptional work. by This her. is her vehicle, I believe. Uh, all right. Well, there's, uh, that's probably going to do it for us. Uh, hope you guys yeah, enjoyed those spoilers. And, um, as always make sure you give us a big check out there on the, uh, the internet. We got other stuff going on these days. And, uh, Justin, our young on Twitter, Scott Johnson on Twitter, uh, hotline Monday can be found at frogpants.com slash hotline Monday. There are links to everything. However you get the show, you can get it there. I think it's going to do it for us, for me, for Justin, for all of you. We'll see you in the astral plane. Bye. Bye. <laughs> this show is part of the Frog Pants Network. Yes. Get more at frogpants.com. Diamond Club hopes you have enjoyed this broker. <laughs>